Please note that nothing in this podcast should ever be taken as personal financial advice. And if you are seeking financial advice, reach out as we work with professionals in the industry. And welcome back to yet another episode of the Finance Bible Podcast. Another. You're joined with myself, Zeke, and fellow co-founder of the Finance Bible, Oscar. Good Mate, to be back. what's going on? We're here again doing a very special episode with Q&A. We've had all these questions being built up in the last one to two to three weeks of everyone, all your listeners out there have been hitting us up in the DMs and you know, trying to pick up brands and there's a lot of common questions which you're all asking um, or in the same category. And this is what today's all about. We're going to answer them straight up. All right, let's get into it. Firstly, before we do so, if you do ever have a question, hit us up. Before we just answer it for you, we are actually going to refer you back to other things or things that can expand your knowledge because we're all about personal development here. One major thing I've noticed is we've got a few questions where we've actually literally answered that exact question before in a podcast. Exactly right. Um, for example, where to invest, things about ETFs, things about you know how to help save and stuff like that. We're happy to answer the questions if you haven't quite interpreted it the correct way through the podcast or whatever the case is. But please have a listen first and please do a bit of research first to actually help you in the long term before we just say this is the answer. One of the key questions which we continue to get is Zeke and myself in the podcast, we have been talking about a bit about ETFs um, and why we love them so much. But a lot of listeners we found have been asking, how do you actually buy an ETF? So it's a, it's a very good question because it's one thing to say what an ETF is and how good they are, but the other thing is how do we actually get into one and invest in it and become a part of that? First things first, you got to open a brokerage account. So many brokerage accounts in Australia. Um, for example, you have Self Wealth, Combat, or oh, Comsec, Navtrade, IG, IG, eToro. There's plenty. You can look at them up, um, Google them if you want. There's so many you can choose from with different brokerage fees levels like that. Just make sure you read the PDS of them all before you decide because the fees do vary. We touched on it a little bit in our ETF podcast, um, obviously. But yeah, jump in there, have a listen, yeah. read the PDS, get into it. That's exactly right. Um, so once you have that brokerage account, the next step is really to look at you know research or find the ETF which you want. For example, if you're into technology stocks, go to the NASDAQ. If you're into ethical stocks, go into an ethical ETF. Whatever you're into, there's always these ETFs for it. For example, the cryptocurrency market, they've adapted a ETF, especially in America right now. Australia is about to come over, but for me, and I know for Zeke and a lot of listeners out there, that's somewhere where I'll be looking at. But yeah, you've got to research and find the ETFs that you think or that you know you want to get yourself involved in. And the good thing is if you're interested in a particular uh, item or a particular kind of section or segment, if you will, is to actually Google that. For example, top performing technology ETFs worldwide. Okay. You can find you know your top 10 over the last five financial years or whatever it is. You can look at top 10 property investment funds or REITs. Or you can look at things like vegan food. You can look at a whole range of different things and really find what the best stocks in that kind of niche are. Uh, next step, once you've found the ETF, is transfer money into that brokerage account once you've opened it. Pretty because simple. How are you going to buy it if you've got no money in the account? So that's a very simple step. We don't really have to talk about that. And then lastly, you've got to enter the name of 
the ETF which you're going to buy. So every every stock has a um, a code in a way. So it's a three letter word, a three letter um, abbreviation of the actual name of it. And it can be more if it's on a different market apart from the ASX too. So keep that in mind. Yeah. So you can find that up by googling and researching the stock which you're wanting on the ETF. It will have the code. So all you got to do is pop that code into the brokerage. Um, you'll find it. Click on it and then click how much you want to buy. It will yeah, give you now, the option amount or value. Correct. A really important thing to note on here, which we haven't actually touched on before, is let's say, for example, I'm going to invest in um, a company, let's say BAPCOR. I Disclaimer, I do own shares in them, so I'm not hyping them up using it as an example. So BAP is a ticker code. So if I'm on IG trading, again, do your research, not recommending the product. But if you go on IG, you type in BAP, BAPCOR on the ASX is going to come up. You click buy, you put in the amount of shares you're looking to buy, and then you've got to set kind of the amount you're looking to spend on each share. So you're going to set a limit into how much you'll pay for each particular share. This is really important. The first time I invested, I didn't know this, and I went market value. Someone had an order in to sell for a lot more than what the stock was actually worth. I didn't realize what I was doing, and I actually purchased a stock um, for more than what it was worth. And if I knew beforehand that I could limit my order and make sure I was paying market price or less for it, then I would have saved a lot of money or my gains long-term would have been more than what they were. So take that into account as well. It's really important. Same with when you're selling, you've got to make sure that you select the price you're wanting to sell for. All right, well, I think I kind of answered that question. Another question we have been getting is with investing, a lot of questions with investing, which is great because we always talk about how important investing is. But there's a one which comes quite a bit and it's about how do I time the market? Like when do I buy in and when do I sell? When's the best time to do it? Mate, do you want to touch on this one? Yeah, we, we touched on this one in another podcast where we basically went through, you know, is dollar cost averaging or investing a lump sum a better option? Yeah. Now, long-term dollar cost averaging is pretty much going to win the race every time. Studies and statistics show that is actually a fact. Unless you're extremely fortunate, you can buy a bulk amount of stocks in a huge downturn right before the upturn to experience exponential growth. Again, that's very rare. During COVID, you might have got lucky and done it. I did, certainly. Generally, you want to buy whenever there is a bit of a dip in the stock. Yeah, so, when there's a dip, it's basically saying that all these stocks are on sale. Correct. It's sale time. Let's buy. Let's go. Yeah, when you walk into David Jones and they've got a 50% off everything, you're going to go nuts. You're going to go ham. You're going to buy. Uh, I don't know why food objectives are a thing like that. But anyway, <laughs> you're, you're going to get in there and you're going to spend a bit of money. If you were going into David Jones and they had everything marked up 50%, are you going to buy? No. So why when stocks are up and people are hyping them up, do we buy? Um, it's emotion. called FOMO and emotion, fear of missing out. Which we touched out. on in the last podcast. Correct. Yeah. So keep in mind, if, if you don't know if the stock's on sale or if it's in a dip, all you got to do is click on the graph and you can actually see, you know, you can do a week, a month, a year and see, you know, the pattern of that graph for that time and see if it's a dip, if it's dipped, um, you'll just, you'll figure it out from there. Consistency is key in the market. Um, it's not necessarily about timing the market. It's about time in the market. That's correct. Now, my favorite thing here is actually a line by Johnny Wu out of Pain and Gain. Great movie, that Great one. movie. Great I love movie. that movie. I'm going to watch it tonight now. Basically, fear is what drives 
everything, every bad decision in the stock market, ETC. Now, fear is simply false evidence appearing real. When you've got fear, also known as false evidence appearing real, you're basically misinterpreting or mishearing or being given something that isn't true and it appears real because you're emotional about it. For example, a stock's going up 110%. You're like, holy crap, I got to get on this. I got to get on this bad boy. Everyone's like, yeah, get on it. The boys are shouting. <laughs> you're on the beers and you're all about to do it. Guess what? False evidence appearing real. It's not going to keep booming 300, 400% in the one day. Wait, buy it again at a later date. What else is there that we're, we're asked pretty frequently? What makes up your credit score? Yeah, this is a, a really good one. That's a very important question as well. When you're going for a loan, yeah, when you're going for a loan or anything like that, what lenders tend to do is look at your credit score because they want to see, can you pay this back? If not, you're not going to get a loan. So having a credit score is, a good credit score is vital. You can, there's many different websites which you can actually check your credit score in Australia. Um, credit savvy com.au is one so you get to actually see your score and it compares you to the average individual um, in the country as well so that's a great website and you know forum to use basically credit scores are a way to track your repayments so this is through bills for example phone bills electricity bills rent um, whatever it may be that you are paying back if you pay them back on time basically you're going to have a good credit score if not you're going to have an opposite it's basically as simple as that yeah, so one big thing that affects the credit score, which no one really thinks about, is actually inquiries. So a lot of people think, you know, I've got my car loan, I've got my mortgage, I've got another car loan, I've got a personal loan, I've got three credit cards, I've got Zip, I've got Afterpay. I never miss a payment. My credit rating is going to be 1,000 out of 1,000. Too bad, so sad. Unfortunately, uh, if you're 20 years old, you've got all of those debts. How many inquiries have you made over the last two years of being 18? A lot. A crap ton. If you're making regular inquiries, no matter how small, how big ETC, whether you get approved, declined, whatever, the inquiry in itself, if they're regular, is going to have a huge impact on your credit score. So all of you young listeners out there especially, um, you know, you turn 18, you're going to get a credit card, sick, well done, um, whatever, I'm not going to judge. But don't get another one as soon as you're 18 and a half. And then don't open a zip when you're 18 and three, um, three quarters. And then don't get your afterpay going. And then don't get hum going. And then don't get a, another car loan. And then don't get your personal loan. Because all of that over two years, you've just made eight or nine inquiries over a two-year time frame, which is more than a lot of people have actually made over the whole like seven years that they generally stay on your report. Now, the next and final question that we receive a lot is how do I start? Where do I start? I want to get a property in three years or two years. What do I do? And this is such a wide question. Like it's really double-ended in lots of ways and it depends on a lot of things about you. But generally speaking, and we'll probably do a proper podcast dedicated solely to this, but generally speaking, we're looking at things like if we've got a three to five year time frame, do we leave the money in savings or do we invest in shares? If we invest in shares, what's the risk? Yeah. So do we then go to ETFs instead of a certain stock? Um, a lot of different factors and timing is the key. For example, with yourself, Zeke, um, you were young when you were saving up, so you kind of felt like you had time on your side. So if you put all your money in the investments, if it, if it flopped or if it decreased, it wasn't the worst thing for you. Um, obviously, you're saving for a property, but... 
you got lucky with the um, we didn't necessarily get lucky because you did your research and you read the articles and everything, but it worked out for you. Yeah, for the point of this potty, I think we'll leave it at basically if you've got a bit of a long time frame, we probably don't want to um, leave the money in savings in the current interest rate due to the fact that you know it will actually get higher growth in other investment alternatives. Do your own research because I'm speaking quite generally, but in the coming episodes, either the next one or the one after, we're actually going to look at my journey, Oscar's journey, relate it back to Mitchell Lockhart's journey if you haven't already listened to his podcast as a guest for us, get into it. And we kind of want to walk you through how we each did it to give you an idea of options out there. That's pretty much it for this episode though, another short and sharp and I guess we'll start pumping the Instagram, get some more posts up, share this all around to your mates, colleagues, companions, friends, enemies, nemesis, whatever. Nemesis. Devil's advocate. Devil's advocate. That's my favorite. And look, you might, you might have questions as well from this podcast itself. So reach out to us, slide into our DMs, ask us questions. We're always here to help. Um, we can even have a phone call with you like we mentioned the other week. But until then, keep investing. Keep budgeting and, and keep, keep listening. listening.